three or four weeks. Okay, cool. So our our Chicago show is on uh, July eighth. Is it is it before you that? You know what? I'll 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 make this go live then before that show. It's been a long time coming. The tide is turning. We tired of running. We rising up. It's been a long time coming. They proud is hurting. Shake off that burden. That Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Raj Nation Innovations Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, aka the Raj Nation. I am your show's host. I'm the founder of Raj Nation Innovation, a hip hop artist and a yoga instructor. Above all else, I am a storyteller. I am joined by my co host, Victoria Cohen, aka VC Money. Victoria is the voice behind Almonds and Asana. She's a yoga instructor, a blogger, a health, wellness, and fitness enthusiast. Above all else, she is an activist. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, startup founders, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions. The questions that help creative thinkers like you and I better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. It's real talk with real people doing real big things to show you the real side of success. In this episode, we sit down with Rico Sisney. Rico is a rapper and frontman of the hip-hop jazz funk band Sidewalk Chalk, and if you didn't know, the voice behind this theme song you hear right now. Rico and Sidewalk Chalk just released a new album and are currently in the midst of a 55-show tour spread out over 10 weeks, so naturally, we ask the question, how do you pace yourself? Now, before we dive into that conversation, I want to send you an invitation. If you're not a member already, head over to www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. Enter your email address there to join our tribe. You will get an email every single Monday and therefore never miss another episode of this show and be in touch with all of the awesome. All right, let's dive in now to our conversation with Rico Sisney. How do you pace yourself? Let's listen in. So yeah, I'm I'm on tour right now, um, and actually Maggie, the the singer from Sidewalk Shock, and I um, were just talking about this because um, our first two weeks of touring, there's no day off, um, and so we've got we've got a 10 week 55 city tour, and it's it's super important that we're able to give 150 percent every single night, um, despite the fact that we might only sleep like three or four hours the night before. We might be driving five or six hours, eight hours. Um, the other day we uh, got stopped at the Toronto Border Control, uh, Border Patrol, and uh, we were in cuffs because somebody had like a very, very, very small amount of weed and completely forgot about it. <laughs> uh, so this is like 10 hour drive, very little sleep. Spent a couple hours at Border Patrol. You know, they brought in their like drug sniffing dog, which I guess the way they do it in Canada is it's a chocolate lab puppy, which was actually the best part of the whole experience <laughs> oh by God. far. <laughs> um, but it was just like it was just like a long ordeal, and then it's like we get done with that, and now we've got to go play a show. Play that show, wake up the next morning um, after just very little sleep, and do the whole thing again. So um, it's uh, yeah, pacing pacing ourselves is like the huge, the probably the biggest thing on everybody's mind when we come on tours like this. And so um, yeah, it's been a huge huge topic for all of us. So. I'm curious, 
in the midst of all of this, which no days off in the first, shout out to Wale, hashtag no days off, uh, <laughs> no days off in the first, um, you know, two weeks of your tour. Like when I play one show, like my voice is just shot <laughs> and I am exhausted. And like Victoria, you yeah. talked about like when yeah. you teach like a few yoga classes in a day. Yeah, I have like, I have one of those voices that like I lose it so easily. So I'm so impressed by people that do yeah. like that, that I can't even not even imagine. And my energy is just like drained afterwards too. Cause my adrenaline is so high during like, how are you guys able to manage considering like, you know, you've got to spit a lot of lyrics Maggie's <laughs> got to have have crazy intonation and, and hit a lot of different notes. You got like Sam Trump who's having to blow into a trumpet every night and all this stuff going on. <laughs> like how and I, I don't know if you can speak for them, but for you, like how are you managing just keeping your voice intact? Um, I mean, I try to be um, I try to be mindful of it. You know, there's there's a part of you you go in all these cities and you know some of them are really really dope cities and you kind of want to treat it like a party every single night and you kind of want to act like yeah I'm on vacation let's kick it with these people who um, came to the show and want to hang out after but like you're, you gotta you gotta kind of like say nah a couple times you know you have to you have to go to sleep early some nights and, and it doesn't feel like that the rock star lifestyle that you might have imagined as a little kid sometimes you're literally like yo, y'all are really cool and I would love to, to smoke with you or, you know, I'd love to hang for another couple of hours, but I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> so that's one part of it. Uh, but another part is that I think it's that, um, you know, the vocals, the the diaphragm, the the lips, whatever instrument we're talking about, it is a muscle. And so um, there was a time where I would have thought like, you know, five shows was my my upper limit and I couldn't do more than five shows in a row without, you know, um, a few days break and then then you do eight and you're like okay so eight's my limit <laughs> and then you do 10 and you're like okay 10 all right you do 12 12 and so um part of it is just like um building up that muscle and uh and and also the mental side of it like if you tell yourself that one show and you're spent you know what i'm saying then one show and you're spent but if you tell yourself like okay i could do 14 15 is too much but i can do 14 and you'll get to 14 and you'll feel your, your voice starting to really fall out. And I mean, you might hear it right now. My voice is a little bit, um, it's partially because it's a little early. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, my voice is a little bit um, weaker than it, than it has been. And so that's just something I have to be mindful going into the show tonight of like how I want to uh, use it um, and how I want to be particular about where I really like, where I dig and make sure my breathing is on point and I'm not just like coming from the voice or, or straining or anything like that. The whole, um, the idea of managing your schedule outside of the show is a really crucial aspect of this whole thing. And when you were saying that, it reminds me of a couple of years ago, I went on a uh, seven week road trip with my uh, then my former podcast host, Martin, who you've actually met before. I don't know if you remember him, but um, he, so we did a seven week road trip and we were podcasting around the country and we were also like building a business together at the same time. And it's funny because we, you know, we get into certain cities and you know, we'd have friends in those cities too, or we'd be complete strangers. And there were some nights, you know, once you get a few weeks in where I'm just like, you know what, I'm going to stay in tonight. They're like, what? Like you're in LA. Like, how can you not want to go exactly. out? Like, <laughs> like you got to realize like, I haven't been in my own bed in four weeks. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. Like, and like, it gets tough when you're eating out every single night. And when like right. everyone wants to see you and everyone wants you to be out until midnight and have a drink with them. Like there's only so many days I can consume alcohol. Well, and it seems right. like, I mean, I obviously haven't done this exact thing. You know, I'm not a musician. I've never been on tour. But it seems like there's so many different things you have to 
pace and sort of manage. Like we were talking about the voice to start and, and then sort of like managing your energy, you know, um, pacing the way you're going to eat, like not going ham at the beginning of the Literally, of, not of eating the ham. Literally <laughs> ham. Uh, whether it's drinking, whatever it is, just there's probably so many, even like mentally pacing yourself, like you mentioned, you know, okay, I can do X many shows or, or whatever it is. There, there's so many different aspects that you have to manage. Yeah, I mean, and I guess like for for you as a as a yoga instructor, I mean, like it's it's so physical what you do, but it is it is also restorative, right? Like you like you do your practice, and, and I'm sure that when you're doing a class, uh, and it, it takes a lot out of you to be doing the thing and you know talking over so everybody can hear you about the thing, uh, but just the fact that you're doing it kind of like restores you. And I think I think it's a similar thing for uh, performing. Like I definitely as much as it takes out of me performing. Uh, fills me with energy as well so it's like especially when it's a good show especially when it's like a super live crowd it also does help to to propel you for that next five years or five years the next five uh, shows Um, it makes it feel worth it you know what I mean yeah absolutely Uh, I would I would totally agree with that I've for sure found that on days when I teach the most classes or the most like physically exhausting classes are actually the days that I, I have the most energy because there is that you know you're getting so much out of it physically, emotionally, there's sort of that little adrenaline high of, you know, just talking in front of people for, for a straight hour. So absolutely, I agree with that, that, that there's a certain amount of energy, even when you're expending so much energy, the excitement and like your passion for it, you get so much more energy. Right. I think it's almost like your body knows what it needs to hold, like how long it needs to hold out for. And it's not to say like there can't uh-huh. be like a crashing moment, but uh, you know, as you were talking about that, Victoria, what I was thinking about, and this this goes back many years, but um, at the end of high school, um, as we were coming to the end of our track season, I, I got a stress fracture in my right foot, and like it was almost it was like one day like it hurt, and then like I couldn't like run the next couple days, and then took a few days off, and I was like, crap, like am I gonna miss like the end of my final season here? Like as we're going oh. to the state meet and everything, but then. Uh, I don't know, like I just, something happened where it was like, okay, wait, now I'm good. And then I was able to finish out the last few meets of the year in the state meet and everything. But the, and, and at the state meet, it's like you have the qualifying round and the final round. So huh. you got you to make it into the top nine to get into the, the final round. So in our qualifying round, I think we ended up seeding like third place or something like that. And then, or third or fourth, third, I think. And then ended up getting fourth overall in the final round. But the second I handed off the baton in the final round, it was like, that was the last race I was going to run in my high school career. The second I handed off the baton, you fell. My, no, like, I didn't fall, but like my foot just like, ex- it felt like it exploded and I was just in like massive pain. It was like pain. adrenaline probably that yeah. was like pushing and you that, past and the pain. Yeah. 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 And it was like, my body was like, hey, you're done now. I can, I can finally let this injury actually happen. <laughs> I can, I could totally relate to that. I've, I've had so many uh times where we get done with this tour where we're just like going on little sleep we're doing you know um little sleep physically demanding because of load in and all that stuff and the shows themselves and you do this for weeks and weeks and weeks and then as soon as i get home where like things are way easier uh that's when i get sick or that's when i'm like super tired or sometimes even emotionally like sometimes you get done with tour like this is a thing i've talked about with a few other like you know folks who tour a lot like post-tour depression is a thing too. Like you get done and you 
like all that adrenaline uh, goes away, all of that like feedback that you get from performing in front of like hundreds or thousands of people that really dig what you do, like all of that goes away and you're back to regular life and it's like you can crash, whether that's physically, whether that's emotionally. Um, so it, it is funny how your body is just sort of like, oh, you're done? Like you don't, you don't need me. I don't have to be on 10 anymore? Okay, cool. Like, I'm going to take you all the way down. Oh, yeah. My, my husband, this is like a little different, but my husband and I joked like right after our wedding that it was like the same sort of crash because there's like this crazy buildup and all this insane stuff going on. And then you're with like hundreds of people and not like you're putting on a show, but you know, like you're, you're entertaining and all of that. And then, and then it's over yeah. and you're like, whoa, now it's over and I have like nothing to do. Yeah. <laughs> Well, even like um, last month, my my grandmother passed away. And my mom was like, my mom oh, took man. care of her like daily because she her health was declining over the last couple of years. And uh, like right before she passed away, my mom developed this like small rash on her cheek, and then she passed away. And then you know the funeral and everything afterwards took about you know ten days of just like stuff that was going on or like people coming to the house. And then it was like yeah. when everything ended, then my mom got like got like a fever the rash spread through her whole body and then she went to the hospital for a night and she's okay and everything thankfully yeah. but it I, I a lot of me feels like her body was like all right i gotta hold out till we can get through this stuff and then we mm -hmm. can let this whatever this thing is happening to me we can let it manifest itself once your responsibilities are taken care of yeah i had yeah. i had a very similar thing happen like i mentioned last fall we got married we i i i left my corporate job and changed careers and we finished renovations on one condo that we moved into and it was all in like a very short span and i was just like go 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 i was not pacing myself and i actually had my first and knock on wood hopefully ever panic attack at the beginning of this year just like a complete like actual full-blown anxiety attack like went to the er because i thought i was having a heart attack and they were like, you're 28, you're not having a heart attack. <laughs> to which I was you're like, 28 wow, and a yoga so instructor, I think. But I swear my arm was tingling. <laughs> my heart was really racing. Anyways, but it was, it was like, I totally, I realized that like, it was that I, I had all of these crazy things going on and I had not figured out. And I, I'm, I'm honestly still figuring out like with my new lifestyle of being a yoga teacher and blogging and all these different things, how to pace that. And it just, and when everything kind of came to a slightly like more, you know, manageable, slower pace for a hot minute there, I totally crashed and had a panic attack. Yeah. <laughs> Super real. Yeah. I, and, and to that, I think it's, it's kind of like you have to look at it in terms of uh, in, in within a specific day, what are you going to do in that day that like encourages like the main activity that's supposed to happen versus mm -hmm. what's that's going to take away from it? And I'll tell you like uh, in my experience, so like on any given day, I'm like public speaking or meeting with clients, which is while it's like a room of like three people, it's public speaking in its own right because I'm like whiteboarding stuff for them and and standing up and using a lot of hand gestures. Right. Um, Burning a lot of calories. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then like, you know, three, four days a week, I teach yoga. So, and, and I was very, and this is something that I had to learn, like coming out of the yoga training was I can't throw a yoga class in the middle of the day. I can't teach a yoga class in the middle of the day because it makes everything else I do insanely unproductive because I've got to get into a completely different mindset to go and teach a yoga class and then knowing like, let's say it's like a noon class that I need to teach. Well, you know what, around like, I've got to be there like at 1130 because you've got to get there, you know, to like open the studio or whatever. 
So if I had to be there at 1130, you know, like around like 1030, I'm starting to think about it, which means maybe I started my day earlier than that. And I'm like, well, what can I really get done if I only have until 1030 before I need to start thinking <laughs> about the yoga? And then afterwards, it's like, okay, tidying up and leaving. It's like, that's another like 30 minutes hour. after. Yeah. And then you got like shower afterwards because you sweat during it. So like before you know it, it's like 2.30 and 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 then like I'm tired because I just taught yoga. <laughs> so then I can't do mm -hmm. anything like business-wise the rest of the day. So that was like my indicator. I was like, I cannot put a regular noon or whatever class on my schedule or even like, like you'll rarely see me like substitute one of those midday classes unless I know like I have nothing else going on in my day, which is rare. Yeah. Because um, I know that if I do that, it's going to just kill my productivity for everything else that, that's important to me. And then even right. like on just like the, the main business stuff too. Um, like today, for instance, we're doing this podcast right now. At noon, I'm giving a presentation at, at a company. And then after that, like two o'clock, I'm going to meet with one of my clients and be, you know, whiteboarding and standing up and hand gesturing. <laughs> so I know like it's a, it's going to be like a, a kind of like a mentally exhaustive day because I'm doing a lot of, it's a lot of adrenaline inducing things. Like this is a form of public speaking. The presentation is public speaking and being in client in front of clients is a form of public speaking. And these are all things that like in this moment, Rico, like while we're having you on the podcast, I have adrenaline going and then I'm going to have adrenaline at noon and then again at two o'clock. So I know on a day like today, it's worthless for me to try to plan out like other, say, like administrative tasks I might need to get done because I just not going to have the energy for it versus there are other days where I know like maybe I only have like one of the public speaking type things and I can get a lot of the administrative stuff done. Or like we've tried to make like with Victoria and I, we try to be like, okay, Wednesdays is when we're going to podcast and try to like either at the very least get one episode done, but ideally we can get two and three two or three episodes recorded because it's that's smart you know it's the yeah. same type of activity mm -hmm. and we're already like in that zone we can just kind of like replicate that zone yeah that's something that i um so i i now live in oakland um and oh shit no way i didn't know that <laughs> yeah yeah so the rest of the band lives in chicago i live in oakland um and out out there i work for greenpeace i'm the uh campaign coordinator for the bay area um and so i put on a lot of events like we just did a, a concert with immortal technique um, at the nice. Greenpeace warehouse, which is pretty cool. Um, and it's like, it's like a very different mindset and I'm, I'm focusing on a lot of different stuff. I do a lot of fundraising for Greenpeace and organizing and, and that kind of thing. Um, but so then what, what ends up happening is I think I try, I try to avoid this, but mentally Oakland is like, Oakland is where I'm an organizer and I work, you know, in the nonprofit world and Chicago is where I'm a musician and where I'm an artist. And I do my best to not have it be uh, compartmentalized in that way and, and to still be like grinding and hustling on music when I'm in Oakland um, and to still kind of like be at least a little bit thinking about um, organizing and making sure that like I'm thinking long term uh, for the nonprofit stuff when I'm not in, in Oakland. But um, that thing that you were just speaking to about mindsets is, is a huge, a huge barrier to that. Um, it, it can be a barrier where like if I'm in the mode of, um, you know, organizing, fundraising, that kind of thing, and then it's time to switch to like creative mode to uh, switch to like the mindset wherein I'm able to, you know, like spend three hours at a piano practice room when I only intended to spend one. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just such a different uh, 
different mindset, different way of managing time and all that stuff. And so um, that's been something over the past um, maybe six months or so since I moved there uh, that I've really been working on is, is how to like all the things I love about when I was just a full-time artist, all things about that lifestyle, being able to incorporate it even when I'm in Oakland and not just dive 100% into that when I'm on tour or when I'm back in Chicago. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you even like, uh, so I put out an album a few months back, which was a, a Hamilton covers and remixes album. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag Hamil Flow. Raj Nation <laughs> covers and remixes Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, and going into finishing up making that album, I basically was like, I just set aside days in the week where I'm like, this is just a music day. And I was like, it's pointless for me to try and like divide out this day. I'm just going to know like, you know what, this whatever, this Thursday of this week, I'm just going to like wake up in the morning and until like I go to bed at night, the only thing I'm going to focus on is just either recording or producing or editing these tracks. Because if I'm in, again, if I'm in that zone, why not just like stay on the roll instead of trying right. to like, you know, partition out or compartmentalize. Like, let me, let me get two hours here and then I'm gonna take a five hour break. I'm gonna go back for another two hours. Cause you just kind of like, you lose that, that the flow. Starting up. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard yeah. to get started on something when it's like a very different mental commitment or just using a different part of your brain than what you were working on before. So it's interesting because I feel like both of you guys are sort of saying that, that like you find that you can pace yourself better or you can be more maybe efficient or effective with your time when you're like focusing on one thing for a whole day or you're like a really big portion of the day as opposed to like breaking it up and sort of jumping around to fill the spaces with just what needs right. to get done as opposed to being like more purposeful and that's interesting. And you'll even see a lot of people like who work in sales will, who do it well anyway, will block out like, hey, these are the hours where I'm cold calling or cold emailing or doing my outreaching, outreaches. And like they'll, they'll section themselves off and do that work because it's, it's, it's so unproductive. Like you do that then like you respond to some emails then you go back and before you know it, it's like the, your, your goal in that say that like three hour block was to reach out to say like 30 people but because like you made a call and then looked at your email and then responded to the email it's like the hour you know the three hours have gone by and you've only reached out to like two people because you let yourself get right. distracted it's interesting mm -hmm. this actually makes you think of something my mom always says about like when i was little so i'm like kind of a tightly wound person a little <laughs> bit angsty um and I, I i've evolved like very differently I think over time um, but when I was little I, I had such a hard time getting started on things like on reading or writing or doing homework that I would I would literally like start something and then erase until there were like holes in my paper and start and stop and start and no, I know so intense so intense so I, you know start stop start stop and then finally once I got started on something I was like in the zone and I just and I could just keep going um, but I, I don't know that's just kind of making me think of what you're talking about now that that it's part of pacing yourself is just sort of like getting started, getting into that task and then committing to it for a while and sort of using that one type of energy as opposed to using all these different types of energy that maybe wear you out in a very different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rico, let me ask you, so you guys are doing 55 shows over, what, what's the total time frame there? Uh, 10 weeks. Okay, over 10 weeks, you're driving a van from from uh, place to place, and there's six of you? Uh, seven. Seven of you. Yeah. Uh, so I'll tell you, when I was on that seven-week road trip, it was me and one other guy, 
And there were parts where we got absolutely sick of each other. And I had to be like, yeah. hey, this morning or like this evening, like I'm going to go do my thing. You go do your thing. How yeah. are you? I mean, we can talk about pacing yourself in terms of like pacing the amount of time you spend with the same people. And I know you're a tight, tightly knit crew because you've been playing together for so many years. But do you get stir crazy being together in a van like cramped up and and just seeing the same exact people day after day after day? Well, or even that you just uh, have to like always be on probably, right? Like yeah, there's always, always people talking, around yeah. that you have to talk to, you're not just alone. So that's a, that is funny that you asked that follow-up question, Victoria, because that's like actually, I think the biggest reason why we don't get tired of each other is that we don't feel like we have to always be on. Like mm -hmm. we're so, we've been doing this for long enough, right? That <laughs> that we kind of know, like even if you, if you were to ride in a van, uh, just like, you would you would see these ebbs and flows in conversations where there might be a minute where usually after shows everybody's uh you know joking or laughing or we might all be listening to music or clowning we make up songs all the time um after shows it's always like that but on the way to a show especially if it's a long drive there might be moments where we're all you know uh joking playing a game or whatever and then there'll be like hours of silence <laughs> and nobody's like weirded out by being in a room with seven other with six other people in silence because we're so used to it and because we do spend so much time around each other none of us feels the burden to like keep the conversation going um i think that's a big part of it we also all know like we, can, we know each other's tells of like okay yeah she like maggie might need some time to herself or <laughs> or like or the opposite or you know it's like oh yeah we should like you know give some energy towards this person or whatever because they're not feeling so good whatever and so like that's a big part of it, just like knowing each other well enough that we feel no burden to, to entertain um, and that we can kind of like boost each other in that way. Um, and the other thing I think, having seven people is a little easier than if it was just two people. Because with seven people, like you can go kick it with this person and then rotate and go kick it yeah. with this person and rotate. Like you don't have to, we're not all kicking it, you know, seven people in a room all the time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think both of those things help. Well, and it's, it's, I'll tell you the, the perspective to that that I find interesting is, you know, a lot of our listeners are, excuse me, uh, a lot of our listeners are uh, creative thinkers in the sense that like they're either like startup founders or entrepreneurs or they're, um, you know, like just hustlers in their own career or they're artists or whatever. And yeah. many, many of them, like I'll say specifically on like the entrepreneur founder front is like they're working with the same team every day. Um, mm -hmm. which means they've got to talk to the same people every day. And to your point about like kind of just learning to understand each other, well, a big thing you'll see is there's a lot of startup teams who never really like learn each other's communication styles and uh -huh. therefore constantly are butting heads and kind of like sparring with one another. And then there are other teams who not only know the communication style and like, hey, how does this person like to be talked to or you know, they kind of like feel that out over time. Not only that, but then they also learn like, what's, what are our respective work styles? So that way, like, I know if I see this person with their headphones on, I probably shouldn't bother them. I should wait till they take their headphones off. Or, mm -hmm. um, you know, if this person's like a, a, a coder, like that's when they're in the zone and that's not our time to talk. Or, you know, those, those are the types of things right. that uh, you start to learn almost like group dynamics which, don't, which, mm -hmm. don't, which doesn't happen if you just have like fleeting interactions. It has to happen with like repeated similar interactions with the same group of people. Right. So let me ask you then, 
we've talked about the tour. When we ask, when we talk about this idea of pacing yourself, you know, the, the tour is the result of releasing an album, um, and which I'm sure had its own, um, just like going hours in the demanding studio schedule. and demanding schedule to it as well. Yeah. Was, was the, is, the, is the situation now and the experience now of touring similar to the experience of recording the album? Or are you finding it to be completely separate? Um, I mean, touring is something that we've been doing for so long that it, it feels very familiar. In fact, it almost feels, for me at least, <laughs> I won't speak for anybody else, but for me, like touring, there's a certain level of comfort um, that I kind of slide into immediately. Um, there's this, you know, this routine, there's this predictability, despite the fact that we go to a different city every day and the amount of time it takes to get there is different and the departure time is different. There's a lot of variables, but just the idea of waking up every day, you know, you're driving somewhere, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you know, there's going to be, uh, some similar things. Like there's a routine there that that's very familiar, very comfortable for me. And I, and I would say maybe even more so than, the routine that I now have in Oakland because I've only been living there for six months, kind of having like a slightly different lifestyle. So, so there's a familiarity there with recording. You know, we only, at least with Sidewalk Track, I mean, we only have four albums. So we've only really gone into the studio intensely four times. And um, each time has been different. This was my favorite by far. Um, and it is, it, we have switched the way that we, um, that we manage all of the work that we have to do. And this tour was an, I'm sorry, this recording session was an example of that. So prior to me moving to Oakland and it, and it continues now with me living out there, uh, we switched to doing everything in really, really intense chunks. Um, so like with recording this album, we spent a week in Omaha and all we were doing out there is recording. Um, and then Charlie spent another week, that's our keyboard player, he went out there just to finish up some keyboard stuff for like a couple of days and that's all he was doing. And Maggie and I went back for almost a week just doing vocals and that's all we were doing. Um, and so we were in a new place, we were focused only on that um, and it was pretty long, intense hours. Um, but we've done the same thing with our rehearsals when we were rehearsing for this show. It was like a week of at least eight hours a day of sidewalk shop stuff, whether that's rehearsing, whether that's, um, you know, like appearances on, we, we were on Windy City Live, um, which was pretty cool. And, you know, we shot a music video that same week. Like, so every, every, there is a similarity between how we tour now um, and, and how we do everything else. But I really think it's more like touring has influenced the way that we do other work because we've gotten so good at this that it just like, um, and like the productivity is so high, they were like, why not apply that same model to how we write and to how we rehearse and to how we record? Um, so yeah, it's, it's, um, it's funny that we've had this conversation about like, you know, focusing on one thing at a time. And I think we've started doing that on a, on a, like rather than on a day to day basis, but on a week to week basis where it's like, this week is just about recording. This week is just about writing songs. This week is just about polishing our tour. This week is just about putting together visuals and building our set. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think the, the similarity is, 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 is that is just like hyper-focused on one aspect of what it means to be a musician. Let's pause for a hot minute for this quick PSA. Are you part of the startup community? If so, keep listening. If not, go ahead and hit the skip ahead button because this is not going to apply to you. The Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast is a property of Raj Nation Innovation. What is Raj Nation Innovation? Well, it's simple. I talk to founders and startup teams every day who flat out tell me, 
Hey, we suck at telling our story. I help remove the suck, combining a unique background of both branding expertise as well as songwriting expertise from my experience as a hip-hop artist, I take a performance lens and mindset to the world of business communication. Using this approach, I partner with growth-focused startups to help them develop their story, their go-to-market message, and their pitch so they can raise venture capital and acquire their early customers. Think of me like the Will Smith character Hitch, but for startups. And yes, I will tell you when you're dancing like an idiot. Does this sound like a conversation we should have? If so, head to www.rajnationinnovation.com. That's R-A-J Nation Innovation.com. Send me a message through there and let's chat. Back now to the podcast. Yeah, it's really, and there's, you know, there's tons of research around the concept of flow states and like entering, you know, your, your zone or your state of flow and blocking out the distract. There's a book called Deep Work by this professor, Cal Newport, where he says, he says, working while distracted is the equivalent of an athlete who smokes. Okay. And there's wow. he's, yeah, all this research around like, you know, it's so easy to like want to be schizophrenic with your time and say like, okay, I'm doing this and this and this. Or like even, I mean, I'm going to imagine when you're in the studio, you guys are, and you're banging out tracks, like <laughs> banging out tracks, like we breathe in and out air <laughs> to quote one of your songs. <laughs> when you're banging out tracks, you are probably not like also texting people like in between each recording, you know, I'm, I'm imagining like your phone probably is like in the other room or like, you know, on silent or something like that. Um, ideally, <laughs> ideally, actually, we were, we were still working on the Kickstarter, like when we were in the studio last. So we, that was our last week of the Kickstarter. So we were uh-huh. literally every second when we were not recording, we were all like, you know, sending Facebook messages and texting and email and just like hoping yeah. that we would make the money to be able to pay off the debt that we were already accruing. Yeah. Well, but even uh, with that, though, you were doing an activity that was in the same interest. Like, all right, for right? sure. You know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like you were like having text conversations with like a random friend about something completely unrelated. Sure. You know, it was all stuff that was in the, in the interest of getting the album out and getting it completed. So with that said, let's transition here for a few minutes. I want to talk about the album, give you a chance to kind of, uh, and go deeper into it. So, uh, your new album in Orchid is born came out, uh, June 2nd, I believe. Um, That's June, true. Was June 2nd. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've already streamed the hell out of it on Spotify. Uh, I got to buy it on, I got to buy it on iTunes when I get to my like desktop computer, which I haven't been at for a while. Um, well, thank you. So, you know, like at surface level, this is a Chicago, you know, Chicago band that's come out with another album, your fourth album. But I can tell you when I listen to it, like I hear the emotion pouring out of some of those songs. So tell our listeners, you know, it's, it's your fourth album, but tell our listeners why it's about just so much more than just your fourth album. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um, I think we've uh, we've gotten better at at um, expressing ourselves. I mean, we've grown a lot as people over the over the time since we've been putting out albums. I mean, we put out our first album five years ago, and so um, we've we've just matured. And so, for me personally, um, I think the way I used to write uh, the personal was separate from the political. Um, the you know, talking about myself was different than how I would talk, talk about just like society and all those kinds of things. And so with this album, I think that Maggie and I were way more intentional about, we, there's a lot that we want to talk about. There's a lot that's going on in the world, you know, and rather than trying to talk about it, like we're not a part of it, um, to really talk about these same things or talk about these same concepts in a really broad way, in a really intentional way, but through as, as personal a lens as we could. 
And I think that that, um, that that's why you hear if, if, you know, if there's, if there's emotion pouring out of it, that's why it's because when I talk about police brutality, I'm not talking about it. Like from, uh, from an observer standpoint, I'm talking about my own experiences with police officers hands on my neck, which is experience I've had more than once or having a taser pointed at my face more than once or having handcuffs on me more than once. Um, and so rather than talk about, uh, you know, Laquan McDonald or Philando Castillo, Sandra Bland or Ricky Boyd in a way that's as if I have not gotten a taste of it. It's like, let's talk about this thing that we all know about because we, because we know these names and many people of color in this country know about it because you've experienced it yourself. But let's talk about it through my own personal experiences rather than um, as this broad concept. And so whether that's talking about something like that or talking about, you know, uh, destruction of the planet or just talking about self-care, talking about like getting over depression or talking about, um, you know, having our, a couple of our bandmates leave the band and how that feels and how you feel like you're, how it's almost like getting broken up with, you know, uh, whether we're talking about the, the most personal minute thing or the biggest like broad societal concept that people don't really know how to fix to, to, to look at each of those things as, um, um, as, as just an individual and, and how it feels to experience it or to, to go through it, um, is, uh, was something that we really tried to do with this. And it's, um, we're all really proud of it. You know, um, I, uh, normally like any project I put out and this is the seventh, I think seventh album that I've, I've been a part of. Um, usually like I want once it's out, I maybe listen to it once and like, I'm good. Like, I don't really want to hear it again for a long time because of how much time you spent with it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think partially because of the process, because this was like, you know, intense spurts over the course of almost a year. Um, maybe that's part of it. But also I think it's just, I like this album more than any album I've ever been a part of. So I've, I've listened to it twice since it came out instead of just once. So that's, that's a good, good step. And, and hopefully <laughs> you'll continue to listen to it. So, and, and I love that you talked about how you've, you've, you've decided to like merge the personal with the political and, and speak from your perspective. Cause I think that's so powerful and it's so easy to, to speak from that observer, but it's, it's so much more real when it's the, when it's the perspective of the experience of the person who has experienced it. And that's where I was saying, like, I can, I can like hear and feel the emotion coming out of it. Like, I, you know, I, I, I taught a yoga class earlier this week. And when I had people down in pigeon at the end of class, I was playing sweet for black lives as, as the song, because it's like, Whoa. That, that, that is a specific <laughs> yoga pose that brings out a lot of emotions because it's a hip opener and that's where we carry a lot of emotions. And I was like, this is a really interesting song to play because there's so much emotion packed into it. And, yeah. and, you know, I, I was, I was a little bit like, man, did I make the right decision here? Because it's like, you had, like, you, you're, you're literally in the, you're literally on the trap. You're like, get your hands off my fucking neck. And I'm like, is this too hard for yoga? <laughs> but yeah, that's you know, I was like, I was like, man, that's crazy. You <laughs> take no, it and take you know, some risks in yoga. <laughs> yeah. You're like really putting people in a vulnerable place. <laughs> <laughs> Don't complain. We'll, we'll see if anyone like emails me anything. They're like, Hey, that was a little bit too hard for, for my taste. But, but, you know, I, I thought it, it, I thought it kind of fit the idea of being an emotional song and an emotional pose that people are in. But let me ask you, you said you're really proud of the overall album. What song in particular are you most proud of? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Cause that's different than what's your favorite song. And I intentionally uh, did not ask favorite song. Cause I hate when people yeah, ask me yeah. that question. <laughs> right. Um, what song am I most proud of? I think, I think the song that, 
performing these for the past couple of days, long time coming has been the one that I've felt really, really good about. Um, and the, and the thing about it, the, the reason I say that is because, um, some of the people that I look up to, some of the people that I've, I've kind of seen as role models on how to write about society, how to write about the things that, you know, that piss you off about society in a way that doesn't, you know, that, that doesn't feel angry, that doesn't feel bitter, that doesn't feel cynical, but to write a song that feels really good about things that don't feel so good. Um, and Bob Marley and, and Fela Kuti are probably like two of my biggest idols in that sense, where they're like, Bob Marley will write a song that puts you in the best mood, but if you listen to the lyrics, you're like, oh, he's talking about some of the worst, <laughs> like mm-hmm. some of the worst things. Um, and, and Long Time Coming, it's, um, it's, the lyrics are, are, are sparse. It's not, there's not a whole lot happening. It's not, it's not like Sweet for Black Lives where you know exactly what I'm talking about and, it, and, it's, and it's heavy and it's so many words, but in Long Time Coming, it's, it's fewer words. But I, I was able to, um, on my end, I think, you know, highlight these different experiences of like black people in this country and how, how things have changed but not really changed over time. Um, you know, the, the lyrics, it starts off like, it's been a long time coming since Watch was burning. They shot down Martin. Grandfathers worked in the field. Grandmama's servants. Their grandmama's purchased. Back still hurting. Plymouth Rock landed on us. Man, it's been a long time coming. And, and it just keeps going. Uh, talking about these other little, like, vignettes of, of a black experience in this country. And, um, and the idea that, like, it's still coming. Like, it's, it, it never stopped. <laughs> it never stopped coming. And... Uh, we never quite got to where we, where we hoped we would arrive to. There was no arrival point, but it also, the train never slowed down. Like we continue to progress and we will continue. Even if it looks like we're in a really bleak moment, um, like this, our history is so deep that even, even when it looks like things have gotten so bad, um, for us, it's like, nah, man, we, we've been through worse than this and, and came out shining. So like we will continue to come out shining, um, and so with that, with that song, I think we were able to make this probably one of the like most upbeat songs on the album, but the content is, is not, there's nothing surface about it. So I think that's, that's definitely one of the ones I'm most proud of. Um, it's hard to say. It's like, it's like picking which of your, your babies you, you, uh, <laughs> you're, you're the most proud of. There, there's a lot, but that's, that's the one that um, over the course of this tour and, and doing that song and, and seeing how people receive it, especially when there's like a good sound system and I know they can hear what we're saying. Um, I, I see people like get both sides of what we wanted to convey with that. I see them like feeling it in their body, but also like it, it makes them think at the same time. Um, so yeah. I, I'm re- well, first off, thank you for sharing all that. And I'm really happy that you said that song because so we're, we are recording this episode prior to the release of our new season of episodes. So like five days from now is when our new season launches. And okay. I specifically waited until An Orchid is Born was released because I was like, I know there's going to be something they throw on that album that we're going to be able to use as the theme song for this season. And then, <laughs> lo and behold, I was like, okay, it's going to be between sitcom and long time coming. And I think I'm going with long time coming <laughs> because it is, it, it's upbeat and you're right. It's, it's like some real words underneath, but that whole premise is it's like, I think it fits our show really well because we have 
real conversations, but in a lighthearted manner and in an approachable manner. And I think that's what you're doing with that. As you said, what you're doing with that song is it's like, this is a real issue, a real issues we're talking about, but it's not in like a scolding way. It's in like, it's almost right. like a, you can like nod your head to this kind of way. Exactly. So that's, yeah. that's awesome. That, that, well, now, now it's definitely decided that <laughs> Long Time Coming is the, is the theme song for this season. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> so, okay. All right. So then um, can you let our listeners know uh, where they can find the album? as well as um, uh, how they could get in touch with you. Cool. Um, so, yeah, the album is available digitally every place you expect it to be. Um, you know, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, all of that, Google. Um, it's also, we're, we have vinyl pre-order right now on our website. And um, the, way that we're, the way that we're doing the physical album, aside from the vinyl, is we're doing an MP3 player. Um, it's like a piece of jewelry that's already loaded with the album. So if you're interested in that, you can, you can find that on our website along with our tour dates, um, which is sidewalk-chalk.com. Cool. And you guys are in Chicago at Bottom Lounge on what? what uh, July 8th. July 8th. July 8th. Awesome. I will definitely be at that show. I already got my tickets. Word. Victoria's nodding. She's like, I'm going to that. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Right on. Okay. So then let's kind of bring it back to our main topic to wrap up here, which is the topic for today was how do you... God, what was it again? Oh yeah, how pace do you yourself. how do you pace yourself? <laughs> I was like, how do you plan yourself? That doesn't make sense. How do you pace yourself? Um, we'll start with Victoria, then we'll go to me, and we'll close with you, Rico. So, Victoria, how do you pace yourself? Well, I think I'm still figuring this out, um, but I, I I think one thing that I definitely will take away from this conversation that I'll try to work on that both of you guys talked a lot about is sort of devoting larger chunks of time to specific tasks that take a certain type of energy. I think right now I have, because I've got so many different things going on in my days, like starts with yoga, then other things, then it comes back to yoga, then other things, then again, there's yoga at the end that I'll try to, I don't know, try to find ways to group things together a little bit more succinctly so that I'm pacing my flow of energy in the different things that I do. So that's how I'm going to try to pace myself. Awesome. My answer for how do you pace yourself, uh, I think it, it comes in two ways. Um, so one is, Rico, you talked about like, you know, you guys are doing so many shows and, and, I, and I have a history of like kind of pushing myself to figure out what's actually manageable. So it's almost like in my experiences, I've had to go to certain extremes to then fall back to, okay, what makes sense for me? But I've, it's almost like I've got to test my limit first to know what that, what that is. Exactly. And then, the other thing that you mentioned was in terms of your touring schedule was around um, like there's a routine and a predictability to it because you've done it so many times. And that, that, that part I like as well. So I think when you, when you think about pacing yourself, it's figuring out where can you create the routine and the predictable patterns. And that comes in kind of to what you were saying, Victoria, that like how do you compartmentalize things and know like this chunk of time I'm focused on this type of activity. And I'm not going to try to insert a completely different activity into that chunk of time because it's not, I'm going to do both poorly. Rico, how do you pace yourself? Well, yeah, there's a, I've gotten a lot out of this conversation. Um, and I think one of the things that, that I already do that I also, um, just after thinking about it, talking to y'all that I want to, that I'll focus on, focus on it more is, um, dividing up my time between those, uh, those activities that are restorative and, and those activities which take a lot out of me um, so, that, so that I'm able to have as, ma as many opportunities as possible to, to spend my time in that space that's restorative. Performing is restorative for me um, 
writing, those types of creativity, um, you know, exercising, um, you know, reading, those kinds of things, pouring, uh, allowing a certain amount of time where that's all I'm doing and then carving out space for that so that when I do the really like grunt work that doesn't really uh, have that immediate reward, but that's super, super important that I'm able to bring as much to that as possible. So um, yeah, like we all said, compartmentalizing and making sure that you have, um, you've blocked out time that's just devoted to um, one or two tasks. Um, but then, yeah, big, big thing for me, especially on tour, is just like leaving that space to, to do the stuff that, that fills me up again. Awesome. Rico, my man, I'm glad we were finally able to do this. Uh, yeah, man, thanks, for, thanks for being year flexible. Or so ago. Yeah, of course, <laughs> we talked about doing a podcast. Uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And as I don't know if you remember, but I've told you before, you are the reason that I started performing in the first place from a conversation we had like four years ago when I saw you guys live for the first time. Uh, and we just talked after. I do remember that. Yeah. And, I do and remember so, that, yeah. Because so, wasn't your first time performing at the gala? It was, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. open mic night that you were hosting. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool to just see things like come full circle. And then what was, what was funny, like when I played my first like solo live show, I ran into you like an hour before I was headed to the show and I was like, man, this is crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. again, always a treat to talk. I uh, look forward to seeing you guys live when Likewise. you're in Chicago and hopefully we'll be able to uh, catch up um, before or after the show then too. For sure, yeah. But y'all, y'all have a good day. Hop in, your, hop in your van and get to your next uh, city. Wait. All right. <laughs> Thanks. All right, peace. Thanks. That wrapped up our conversation with Rico Sisney. Rico, my man. So glad we could finally get together to do this episode. That was a ton of fun. I really enjoyed hearing not only the touring side of everything, but then digging deeper into why this album is so important to you. Did you, the listener, enjoy this episode? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes. Rating and reviews help more people find the show. Therefore, more people get to discover their inner awesome. While you're leaving that review, go ahead and subscribe on iTunes or whatever platform it is you listen to, whether that is iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, or the various other podcasting platforms you can find this show on. For full show notes, references, and resources, as well as Rico's contact information and where to find Sidewalk Chalk, you can grab it all at www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. And let me give a quick plug for Sidewalk Chalk. I implore you to go on Spotify and either stream this album or even better, go to iTunes and download and buy this album or go to the Sidewalk Chalk website and get the vinyl. This is one of the best albums. Actually, I'll even go so far as to say it is the best album I have heard of 2017. I have not stopped listening to it since it came out. I hope you will give it a listen to because it is that damn good. All right, that'll do it for this one. Shout out again to Rico for joining us. For Victoria Cohen, I am Raj Nation. You have been listening to the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care. And be awesome today. It's been a long time coming. The tide is turning.